Good evening, everyone, and let us welcome ourselves to Prams Avatar's <laughs> Yoga Mai's house. Thank you for having us here. Very nice of you. I want to put on a little bit of light because it's just sun's going down now. Maybe just the overhead is good. So, so uh, we are reading for the Brahma's prayers, and um, we'll go through a couple tonight. To see um, where it takes us. Um, so this is the uh, prayers of Brahma at the end of the Brahma Vimohan Lila, and um, tonight's verse: Touch. Chej jalastam tabasad jagat vapu kimme nadrishtam bhagavam sadaiva kimvasu drishtam hrime tadaiva kimno sapadi eva punar vyadarshi. Brahma says, My dear Lord. Addresses him as my dear Bhagavan, your transcendental body Tavasat Jagat Vapu. It is the shelter of the whole universe. As Krishna says in the Gita. Jagadavyakta Murdina. Hmm. The world is inside of me. Hmm. The Jagat is my um, Avyakta manifest form. Hmm. Unmanifest form. Uh, it uh, anyway. It means that the world is inside of me, and. Um, He says, Kimme nadrashtum bhagavam sadaiva. So he's now speaking about the dawn of creation, his experience in searching uh, for Krishna. In which case, he says, I searched, I couldn't find <coughs> you. And uh, then you appeared, and, and then I tried to find you in my heart, and I couldn't find you there, but you showed yourself in, in each in, each instance when you wanted to. So, what he's doing here is he's picking up from the last verse. He said, Tachapi Satyam Natataiva Maya, the last line of the previous verse. As I mentioned last night, uh, Krishna is thinking that Brahma may be, excuse me, Brahma is thinking that, that, that Krishna may be wondering. You say I'm Narayan, um, and for different reasons, that is questionable. Um, one of which is, and, and furthermore, Narayan is, as you said, situated on the uh, in the 
Karna Samudra, the causal oceans within the universe. Hmm? And at the same time, you said earlier about my, my form is unlimited, which implies that, that, that everything's within it. It's not resting on anything. It's not dependent on anything. It has no rest. It is the rest of everything. Hmm? So if my form was like that, and Narayan's, by contrast, is resting in the causal ocean and getting support from that, then you contradict yourself, and um, I can't be an Orion. So there's a number of ways in which he's argued, and that was uh, one of them, if you will, that uh, at least that Brahma's thinking, he may think like this, so I have to say like that. And he's got going on with these four heads like this, thinking Krishna might be thinking like this, I said this out of this mouth, now I'll say this out of this mouth and try to you know, cover my tracks and my bases and make my, sure my argument makes, uh, makes sense to somebody that's got two ears and, and one brain. Um, I don't know if he has four brains. Perhaps, yeah, I guess he does. So, you know, he's got a lot, of, a lot of thinking going on in there, a lot of processing. And so the last line, Tachachapi said, you know, last night's verse, Natadaiva Maya, he, he, or he said that Narayan is the big, the, the main point last night, of course, he said the Narayan is true. You're not Narayan. Hmm? Narayan is your Anga, your limb. Hmm? And so you're not Narayan and, and you are Narayan. And we talked about how this is moving from this idea that Krishna is the source of Narayan from an Aishvarya perspective to uh, Krishna is more than Narayan from a Madhurya perspective. Hmm? So he's realizing it from an Aishvarya perspective because he saw the Narayans emanating from Krishna hmm? through Krishna's uh, Aishvarya Shakti that manifests to serve in that situation and help to enlighten Brahma. Um, and so he saw that and the, when, meanwhile, the Braj perspective is a little different. The Braj perspective is Krishna is sweeter than Narayan. Hmm? He's uh, he, he, he's not Narayan, that's for sure. Narayan Narayano sama Narayano samai uh, samagunai. Hmm? This is what was said, as I said last night, by Gargamuni. He and translated from the Braj the Braj mind and filter and perspective is, is Narayan is similar to Krishna, which means that Krishna is, he's similar to Krishna, but he's not, he's not everything that Krishna is. Krishna is more. So they actually think that Krishna is more without thinking that he's God, but he's more. They're not interested in Narayan to the extent that they're interested in Krishna. And of course he, he is more. And he is more largely by his sweetness. After all, we are instructed that um, there are four qualities of Krishna that even Narayan doesn't have, right? Benu Madhurya, Rupa Madhurya, Lila Madhurya, and um, Prema Madhurya. He has sweet flute, sweet form, sweet Leelas. Narayan doesn't have sweet Leelas. Even in his Leela avatars, they're not sweet. Uh, they get a little sweet with Ram. Hmm, Leela. But, um, and Prema Madhurya. He's not surrounded. He's surrounded by one Lakshmi. 
as we said last night, and Krishna Lakshmi Sahasrasata Sambhramasevimana. Not only thousands of Lakshmis, but their mood is incredibly different than Lakshmis. Their mood to serve and, and love, their, the nature of their love, their Madhurya Ras is very extraordinary. This is an extraordinary realm. So all from an aesthetic and Rasic perspective, this is the Goswami's way of evaluating and really concluding in one sense um, that uh, they're, they're willing to give and say, yes, Krishna and Narayan are one in tattva, they're God. But Krishna has qualities that Narayan doesn't have. Krishna, you can, and you, there are possibilities in love that are found in Krishna that are not found in Narayan. You might want to cuddle the object of your love, but if he's Narayan, that's not happening. Hmm. So, but with in Krishna, that that's possible. Hmm. You can't kiss kiss Narayan's cheeks, but <laughs> but Krishna's friends they kiss his cheeks. Mm. And Gopis kiss him on the lips too. So this is this is he's more. So the Braj perspective on Krishna's two Bhagavan Swam is a Madhurya perspective, but you can see that it, it it's it's a transformation of the Aishvarya perspective. Aishvarya perspective he's the supreme god. Narayan is only his avatar. Mm. That's not how they think in Braj, but they still think Krishna is more than than Narayan. You know, in the in the um Gita Govinda of Jaidev, where the Rasalila is, is uh, described, uh, the springtime Rasalila, when Krishna, having disappeared from the Rasa dance, appears before the gopis who are looking for him as four-armed Narayan. They pay their respects to him and ask, tell us, God, where can we find Krishna? Hmm. So they they have God, God's appearing before them, and they're asking for the blessing to have uh, find Krishna. Hmm. Of course, when he, he it's described there that he tried to then show forearms before Radharani, but he couldn't manifest the forearms. Her love would not allow that to come out. Hmm. Though her love corresponds with him, as we as we know, so. Brahma's segueing into this, so and and in the context of this, he um, wants to address the point that um, he thinks Krishna may may um, consider. Again, I've said your form is unlimited. Narayan's form, at the same time, I've said is is situated in the Karna Ocean, and then you have the Garbhadaksha Vishnu and the Shiradaksha Vishnu. They're all they, they are Karna Hiranyagar Hiranmaya. And um, what's the other one? Um, 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 what's the word? Universal form. Hmm. Virata. Virata. Hmm. So this is this is means Karnadaksha Vishnu, Garbhadaksha Vishnu. The Karna, the the Garbhadak is the. Uh, yeah. Hiranyagar, Bharin, Haran Maya, and uh, and the uh, the Lord of the uh, the heart, Shradakshay Vishnu, represents the. So these three, these are three. Point is, these three Purushas are kind of connected with Maya. 
Krishna has absolutely nothing to do with it. The creation and all this work of these three Vishnus is all going on through them. He's completely Turiya in the fourth uh, position, early beyond. Gopala, Gopala, what is it? Turiyatita Gopala, the fifth position, Prem Prayojan. But at the same time, of course, as we know, these Vishnus are not affected by Maya, but they appear to have some connection with Maya. That is, the, they preside over the uh, Maya Shakti. Hmm? They are the form of Bhagavan that, that deals with her in, in some way. Hmm? Um, so, um, there's an appearance then, uh, uh, Rama's thinking from what I've said that 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 I've compared you to Narayan. I've said Narayan is your anga, but Narayan doesn't should be like you then. If he's God, should be all pervasive and shouldn't be have as his support material nature, some aspect of material nature. And so he concludes last night by addressing that point: Nachapi Satyam. Not the Taiva Maya. So, Narayan is your Anga, and like all of your avatars, of which Mahavishnu is the, is the first, hmm, all of them are true. Hmm? Uh, not touch chapi satyam. They're all satyam. They're all real, it means. They're all real, which means they are not dependent on Maya. Those forms, the implication is, they're dependent upon Maya, hmm, are going to be here today and, and gone tomorrow, such is the nature of the world. Those forms, but the form of Bhagwan is not, so there's an appearance of his dependence. Hmm. He says, not touch, touch, chapi satyam, then he says the opposite, not the type of Maya. They're real, they're not made of Maya. Hmm. Understand? So he's uh, further. I, what I've said about your form is one thing. Now I'm talking about Narayan as your Anga, who's my father, my mother, my source, and so forth. Uh, he's also you, and he's also um, true, real, and in a lesser sense, the source of everything. The universes are coming from him. He's coming from you. Hmm. Uh, he's not a product of Maya. So he picks up on that here within the first line. Touch chej jalastam tabasad jagad vapu. So he who's in the waters, touch chej jalastam. He's situated in the water, but the waters are not supporting him. And so he gives an example. He says, if you were actually resting like a material object in the world, then when I was born from you, from the lotus, pure and evil, I should have been able to see you. Hmm? But what happened was, I looked around and I couldn't see anyone. And I then went into the lotus, into the stem, to find where it's coming from, right? Hmm? To find my source. Everyone wants to know their genealogical table, <laughs> whatever, where they've come from. 
their history, their past, their source. So we have, hmm, Eva Goswami describes, incidentally, one of the uh, qualities or uh, defining aspects of the Atma. Hmm? Uh, what is the word he uses? Uh, paresha, something. And it, it means that he has a natural affinity for his for his source, which is the Paramatma. Hmm? So this is kind of a way of saying that Prem is inherent. It's not a Braj Prem, or but it, but we have some natural affinity for our source. We're you know we're generated from the Paramatma. We have some connection. There's a natural kind of connection. We we if I as I said before, if there is anything in the world that's most like God, it's it's ourselves in terms of ourselves being consciousness, because consciousness is not like a thing that's here today and gone tomorrow. Um, but it's it, it's not non-experiential. It's the seat of experience and so on and so forth, right? Many times we've made this point. So the Atma is a spark, like Brahma said in earlier verses, I'm a spark and you're the fire. <clears throat> so uh, so there's a natural anyway, affinity in the jiva for its source. So there's a, there's a tendency for us to seek out, to search, and, it, and we're searching for our source. Hmm. Um, so Brahma, the firstborn, uh, sometimes he's called unborn because it doesn't look like he has a father or mother. He couldn't find him himself, hmm. at least not on the surface, not with his eight eyes. Hmm. He couldn't. He looked. He couldn't find. So he he went uh, within the stem, right? So and and still he couldn't find. He could, couldn't get to his source. Hmm. If Vishnu was lying there in a finite sense, then he, he's saying here, I could have seen him. Hmm? But kim, ve, kim, man, kim me drishtam, kim, kim, kim me na drishtam, Bhagavan Satayva, but Bhagavan, I could not see you. Hmm? Why? He says, why, if that's the case, kim, why me na drishtam, why couldn't I see you? Hmm? And then what happens, I went in and then, I, then I, in myself, uh, kind of soul searching for my source to find out what I'm about, what my purpose is, and so forth. I heard these two sounds, tapa, tapa. Knowing that I was earnest in my pursuit, I could understand that the sound, which in the midst of everything else, in the midst of the silence, was a response from the source that I was looking for and giving me a clue as to how to find him. Hmm? That I was going about it in the wrong way. I had the right idea to find my source, but I was going about it in the wrong way. I was looking outside, hmm? through my moving through the stem of the lotus and looking here and there and so forth. But I was instructed instead, tapa, with these sounds, tapa, tapa. So uh, ultimately, here, tapa means bhakti, it means austerity, it means knowledge. I've said before that if you even artificially constrain your senses let's say you got locked up in a in a terrorist prison and they would starve you and so your senses were deprived you had no cell phone 
So you were freaking out. <laughs> and, uh, and in other ways, your senses were restricted. The only way to deal with that is you have to become a little philosophical, right? And think, anyway, I can find that the quality of life is not dependent upon external circumstances. Hmm? And so you start to think and you go, go within, in other words. You, the, the, this, the, this, the senses are restricted, so you, you, you turn inward and you try to find, uh, re, re, reflect, hmm? you see a bigger picture, and it somehow enables you to tolerate the situation. So there's, there's knowledge, right? As point being, as so tapa overtly it means some austerity, so he means to restrict the senses. And the result is there's some there's some ecstasy there's some experience that comes from beyond the senses that is a, derived from the self some atmananda hmm? so I'm saying in an ordinary sense this is the case and in the sadhana it's about restricting the senses and the mind um, and so forth and turning them inward hmm? so uh, this is uh, to turn away from sense objects and their pursuit when indeed our objective is is enduring happiness and the objects are not enduring. They're here today, they're gone tomorrow. To turn away from them, that's knowledge. So I've often said, vairagi or detachment is the corollary of knowledge. If you know that I want enduring happiness, then you're going to withdraw from chasing after things that don't endure. Hmm? Instead, look for something enduring. And where will you look? The best things in life are not things. They're you. Hmm? Look beyond the things. Look to yourself within. Hmm? Not look not to the things that can be experienced, but to the experiencer, hmm? who's been lost in things, identifying with them, hmm? and thinking he's becoming more, but only becoming limited and and never becoming peaceful, hmm? as the things come and go. Right. So it's a basic Vedanta. <clears throat> so if 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 going within, as I say, is knowledge, and knowledge ultimately culminates in bhakti. Hmm? As Krishna says in the Gita, Raja Vidya, Raja Guyam. He says the greatest secret is that the greatest, the highest, the king of secrets is that the king of knowledge is Manmana Bhavamad Bhakto. Hmm? Is to be like a Brajbasi. And simply absorb your mind in me, become my devotee. That's the end of all knowledge. That's the kind of of knowing. That's the kind of a, 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 a beyond beyond omniscience, so to speak. Right? And we have said I've described Krishna before as his play is something he does to deal with the limitations of omniscience and omnipresence because if you know everything and you're everywhere there's nothing else, no place to go and there's nothing left to do you already know what's going to happen there's nowhere to go you're already everywhere so you can play to get out of it that's what we call leela so this is bhagavan in leela and so his all-knowing is 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 suppressed and that of course by the force by the power of his playmates who are the very uh, internal shakti that bhakti is constituted of. Hmm. So this is where Brahma's arriving now and he's putting it all together and he's saying 
that I've said your form is unlimited. You said, well, then I must not be an Orion because his form appears to be limited. And and, and Krishna and Narayan is answering. Actually, no, Narayan's form is uh, as Mahavishnu or the other Purushas is, is is not limited. They appear to be connected with the world, but actually they're not. Hmm? And if they were, then I would have seen this uh, my source when I looked for him with my material eyes. But Atashi Krishna Namadi, Nababed the way to know him is through loving him. To know, know, know him is to love, love, love him, or something like that. To love, love, love him is to know, know. Back to the 50s. Yeah, a lot of wisdom there. Hmm? So, <laughs> uh, so loving is, 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 is the full measure of knowing. Why, why is loving, right? So, so this tapa, hmm? this command he got, so to speak, is what he responded to is ultimately, when properly understood, this uh, bhakti, which is not without introspection. So it's not like the Mayavadis sometimes claim, well, bhakti is for the emotional people who aren't introspective. They can't think very deeply. and you know, They need a crutch. They're more emotional, so we give them some emotional engagement, and gradually they get over it and become peaceful because emotions make you know, just a world of ups and downs and uh, and so forth. They don't know about the, the, the ocean of bhakti and about the possibility of of spiritual uh, emotion. Hmm? Mahabhu showed it. Hmm? Prakashana said, uh, who was a Mayavadi, he said, you're a sannyasi, but you're like dancing like a babuka. Here's this word. It's actually a word in the Bhagavatam. Very important verse. Negama kalpataro galitam palam sukumukadamata drabasamitam pibata bhagavatam rasamalayam muhuraho rasika bhuvi bhavuka. He said, This, 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 uh, this uh, uh, bhagavatam is meant for bhavukas, sentimentalists, hmm? mad people. Hmm? Sarvabhoma, as you know, was very grounded, sober, logical person. I think he's mentioned in the Encyclopedia Britannica as the greatest logician in all of India. Um, and he, um, um, when he got sat to teach Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Vedanta and ended up learning about Bhakti Vedanta from him, then he became a bit of a uh, emotional fellow. And when Mahaprabhu was leaving for South India, he said, you know, I want to tell you something. If you're going to go south, if you have to go, that's your desire. Be sure and stop and see this fellow named Ramananda. I could never figure him out before. I kind of dismissed him. He was just an emotional fellow with poetry and stuff like that. And, um, uh, but now that I understand what you're about, I know that he and you have something in common. You should meet and talk. And uh, what will come of that will be very special, of course. And he was quite right about that, wasn't it? Their meeting was quite as the center, in one sense, of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. What is the highest goal and what is the means to attain it? Hmm. So, so Brahma's said, he, he, so he followed the tapa, he did bhakti, and we, in an introspective sense, he, 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 he sought grace, hmm. um, 
that I, he realized I cannot know my source on my own strength. I've searched. I was unsuccessful. I prayed. I got a sound. I followed the sound. And then of your own, you appeared. Hmm. You manifest. Then I could see you. And then you disappeared. Hmm. And then he came again. I, then I saw you outside as my source at the end of the lotus. And then I saw you inside in my heart. And you gave me the diksha and siksha of the chatushloki of the Bhagavatam. You gave me the Gopal Mantra. You gave me the, the chatushloki, the four essential verses of the Bhagavatam as the siksha. You, told, you treated me like a friend and you, you, you offered me, the, uh, you gave me the seed of Sakirati. This is the history. Point being here, of course, relative to the verse, is that, that you're not really resting in the world. You appear in the world of your own will. You're not dependent upon that. That's not your support. You are the support of the world. Hmm? Neither is, also here, what is meant by the end of the last verse that I cited, neither is your form a form of maya, referring to the universal form, which is a sense of the form of God. You could say, well, the world is the form of God. And this is mentioned in the Bhagavatam, in the second canto, when Sukadeva begins, begins to speak for yogis, yogis mixed with bhakti. He speaks about the universal form. So you can think of the sun as, and the moon as the eyes of God, the trees as the hairs on his body, the mountains as his bones, and all these descriptions. Hmm? And this, is, this is an imaginary form. He's saying your form of Narayan and your form as Krishna are not like these forms. And he's also saying in that, in, in the context of this, and that universal form is not a form for devotees to be preoccupied with. It's for yogis. Hmm? This comes up in the fifth canto of the Bhagavatam also because there's a, Prichit Maharaj asks Raj um, um, Sukadev, the sage Sukadev, the king asks, that um, tell me something, can you tell me something about the Maya Shakti and how it works? Because it's one of the Shaktis of Bhagavan and uh, and by knowing that, I'll know him that much better, something like that. Uh, and Vishwan Chakuritaka looks at the grammar and says, you can see here, and he points out how Sukadeva is not speaking for him, excuse me, Pariksit Maharaj is not asking for himself, but it's just like during a lecture, sometimes I give a lecture, and then I ask any questions, someone says, Maharaj, could you say something about um, this point? Because they brought a friend hmm, to, the, to the lecture, and they want to like bring her in a little bit, and have me talk on a little bit of a lower basic level, or something like that. Hmm? So Pariksit is a real gentleman, hmm? he's the emperor, all these people have come to the bank of the Ganges where he's seated to try to answer the pertinent questions. What is the goal of life and what should one do at the time of death? And um, Sugadeva has come to speak and there's all kinds of people who prior to Sugadeva appeared there with answers and Sugadeva comes to silence them all and give the most comprehensive answer, hmm? which is... Srimad Bhagavatam. So Pariksit Marsh this is one of the places where if you study the grammar, he's asking for for others. And and by the 
by Shastra Yukti, or the logic of the scripture and what's going on in the Bhagavatam, you can also understand this, that the Parikshit is a devotee. He, 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 there's a, there's, at the end of the first canto, so much, so many beautiful things are said about Parikshit as he's being introduced, and then Sukadev's introduced, and the conversation between the two begins at the onset of the second canto. These are the two central figures of of dialogue within dialogue, question and answers within question and answers that brings up other figures like Nard and Yudhisthira and so on and so forth um, throughout the Bhagavatam. But it keeps coming back right, to the original conversation there. So it's clear from the statements of the Bhagavatam that Parikshit Maharaj is a very extraordinary devotee himself. Hmm? And so as a devotee, he has adhikar eligibility to meditate directly on the transcendental form of Bhagavan. Hmm? The yogi doesn't have that kind of adhikar to directly, hmm, the implication is. And he's very much uh, kind of preoccupied with the subtle chakras, balancing them, whatever, you know, and this whole inner subtle subtle world and they, and they derive um, preoccupation there brings certain subtle powers that from the gross material point of view look spiritual the whole subtle realm hmm, um, is very um, uh, extraordinary from a physical uh, point of view that's why if anybody can predict the future, or they thought, it's thought to be spiritual, or something like that. You, you have your uh, tantrics, or your, what do they call it in the West, uh, you know, you can see, get your palm read in here, you know, <laughs> gypsies, uh, and so clairvoyance, yeah, so I'm looking for that term. Um, but this is just some kind of acquaintance with this. If, if you want to understand it, you just think, think about your dreams, how weird they are, and how things happen in your dreams. That, that couldn't happen physically. People transform before your eyes, and, it's, and the travel is fast. And it's a, so it's a it's a whole it's a different structure to it, different laws to it, how it works, and so on and so forth. So yogis they get acquainted with this. Yeah, it's, it's more of a, yeah, a gradual moving away from the physical identification. So, for example, so. Uh, Sukadev uh, uh, Mishpana commenting at the very onset of the description of the fifth universe in the fifth cano, he says, this is not for devotees. Parikshit is asking for the yoga yogis who have some mixture of bhakti who are in the audience for a way in which the, he can speak, Sukadev, about, about Bhagavan. <laughs> Excuse me. By describing a gross form, he says, of the Lord. It's dealing with the subtle world, but it's this gross form, which means a, a, a form of the universal form. A gross form means a form that is not real. It's imaginary. It's, it's a way of thinking. It's a way of thinking about the world that causes one to think about it such that one derives uh, impetus for spiritual life and growth and so forth. So there's this fantastic descriptions of the world. It's an interesting and important uh, point as an aside. Hmm. Not to get lost in the descriptions of the fifth canto and try to prove that the earth is flat or something like some 
some people are bent on doing as if it's very important. Proper understanding of the discourse and the Bhagavatam, what it's really offering is this is has a place here, but it, it's it's not important um, for uh, the devotees who have the eligibility to do archon. Hmm? Archon is one of the angas of bhakti. What is that archon? Hmm? We heard earlier with regard to Agasura that Krishna entered into Agasura, he got purified, and then his his soul entered the entered into uh, um, Krishna's body, got Sarupya Mukti. One of the things that Jiva Goswami says in his commentary on that, that section is that, that that story, in one sense, is about the power of, of bringing uh, God uh, within um, your mind and self, um, which happened to Agasura. Krishna came within. And he makes the point that, that deity worship, archon, is for those who can't bring mentally the form through a controlled, in other words, in meditative mind, through dhyan, hmm, cause, if you will, um, a situation in which, as happened to Brahma, that Bhagavan manifests within the heart. So he comes outside, and then you can take advantage of that in bhakti. So the implication is that the deity worship is important because it's meant to help to facilitate this this um, um, I want to say harnessing the mind through bhakti in such a way that this sarup shakti that bhakti is constituted of gradually like water withers away the stone drop by drop by drop starts to transform the antakaran the subtle body hmm? from material into spiritual hmm? We are told as sadhakas that we shouldn't be angry. But we find in the Leela sometimes the devotees express anger or other qualities that sadhakas are not supposed to have. Hmm? So the implication is that when the Antakarna becomes purified hmm, and fully... Prabhupada used to give an example that if you take a bottle of ink and you pour water in, milk into it, you keep pouring milk, all the milk, all the ink will come out, ink and water, ink and water, ink and water, and then eventually only water will come out. Hmm? So you keep pouring this bhakti in, eventually, and the container becomes filled only with bhakti. The antakarn becomes filled only with bhakti. And when your antakarn is filled with bhakti, then all of the, everything is capital G good, if you will, as I sometimes say, even if it's from a from a small g perspective, bad. Hmm? That's why there are qualities in the Leela that appear like they appear undesirable from a sadhaka's perspective, and they are. Hmm? But when the antakaran is purified, then anything can go on there. Hmm? It's all for Krishna. Hmm? It's all part of the Leela. Hmm. You understand? So the parakī or asafar is a you know for, for example, or any number of of things. We hear that there are sanchari bhavs like envy, jealousy, um, and things that you're supposed to avoid, and they're the goal. <laughs> so, sadhu. So, so at any rate, um, the point is here made by Brahma that I could Narayan 
uh, is not uh, resting. He's not uh, uh, um, supported by Maya. He is the support of Maya. His form is real. It's not made of Maya. The proof is I, I couldn't see it with material eyes. I had to get spiritual eyes. I said again, I said again, I, as I said it earlier, Atashi Krishnanamadi, with material senses one cannot experience Krishna. Senses had to become purified, and they do so. They are that's accomplished by developing a serving attitude, which means the conversion of the enjoying, exploitive, taking ego into a serving ego with the service properly reposed in the perfect object of love, who is the complete taker, who is the Swayam Bhagavan, who can take unlimitedly, and so on and so forth, as we're explaining. So this is the point that Brahma wants to make here. Basically, if God wants you to know him and see him, you can see him. If otherwise, if not, not. Pujapat Sridharmarsh used to give the example. I like to cite that sometimes people say that they, they, that a spaceship landed in the backyard and then they, they, they see it and they talk to the aliens, whatever. It's exaggerating. And then, uh, and then they go in the next room to tell their friends and the friends come and he's not there. Hmm. And so everyone thinks it's weird, you know, that's something wrong with, uh, with, uh, you know, and he can't stop talking about it, but nobody's got ears for it. And so then he knows that he saw it. It showed itself to him on its own terms, but it didn't want to show itself. The aliens didn't want to show themselves to anyone else hmm? because they have superior technology. They can be seen when they want to be seen. Hmm? It's just a, you know, it's a funny kind of example. I'm not saying that there's any flying saucers out there about the land. But so then, of course, what happens? I ex- ex- extended, extrapolated upon the. The, uh, the the metaphor, if you will, that after a while you're convinced you saw it. Nobody else wants to hear. You got to find a group of people that have seen, and they all get together and talk about it. So that's what it means to join our group. I've been, I've heard it. I've heard it. it makes sense to me. What are you talking? About? What are you going over there for? Those people are crazy. But I, no, your friends don't have ears for it. But you've you've experienced that. It's meaningful. It's rewarding. It's you need so you need to get in that company. So from little sangha, we need. We're, from where we get shraddha, faith, hmm, that comes from above. We need more sadhusanga in a concentrated way to make it, to make it grow. Right. Hmm. So, uh, so anyway, to continue his argument and in a, in a, in a nice way. Um, to support it, he says in the next verse, Atraibu Maya Damanabhutare Hi Asya Prapanchasya Bahi Sputasya Kritsnasya Chantar Jatare Janaya Mayatvam Eva Prakati Kritam Te. So he gives an example. By this time, Brahma's really becoming, developing, right? In his bhakti, he's really developing in his bhakti. Now he has some capacity, due to acquaintance with the Leela, to understand it a little bit more. This one Leela of Agasura was so extraordinary that it caused him to t- take note as the devas, you know, were proclaiming the superpower of Krishna and so forth. So, so he cites, he says what? 
my dear um, he says O subduer of Maya Atra eva Mayadhamna Abhatarehi Asya Prapanchasya Vahi You're not created by material elements um, and you've demonstrated that yourself. So he's saying, I've said that Narayan is in the world, but not in the world. What he's painting a picture of here is what we call, from Western um, theological perspective, a panentheistic notion of God. You have these two spectrums, uh, ends of the spectrum, pantheism and theism. In, in in Western uh, theological thought, pantheism is that uh, is often the way in which uh, Eastern theology, Hinduism, is characterized. It's a the idea is that the world is God. Hmm? And the personal deity is lost. And in theism, classical Western theism, the deity is completely transcendental to the world, which is bad, right? There's evil in the world. There's no evil in God. So he has to be completely removed from it. Hmm? To have no touch of the world. Completely transcendental. Hmm? And so the world is profane, and he is, uh, you know, uh, what's the opposite? Spiritual, sacred, sacred. Hmm? And of course, characterizing Hinduism as being panentheistic is 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 not uh, entirely accurate. Indeed, Vaishnavism and Gaudi Vaishnavism in particular is a very beautiful um, form of what we call panentheism. The word "n" is very important, so. It means not pantheism, but panentheism. So, God is means he's he is the world and is not the world. He's in the world, but not of the world. So the theistic transcendental deity remains, and the world is connected with him and has some sacredness when seen from that perspective. Hmm? So the the two ends of the spectrum are brought together in an interesting um, combination that doesn't make the world all bad and doesn't take any good out of the uh, uh, out of the out of the godhead hmm? and there are nowadays there are a number of forms of panentheism even in western christian thought that are, it's, it's thought to be a, a sexy perspective panentheism hmm? or maybe that's not the best word but i've heard it used <laughs> it's cool or chic or something like that uh um, there's some objections to it, and there are answers to those objections and theological arguments and so forth. But um, this is a, a good a word to use in Western uh, world and discourse uh, to describe our um, worldview. We have a panentheistic worldview. It means that from there are different forms of that and ways of thinking about it, but ours is a chintu beta beta. That God is the world, it's his, it's his shakti. Hmm? His shakti is dependent upon him, so it's not separate from him in some way. Hmm. Again, it's this material nature that, and we have a whole explanation. Narayan wanted to experience 
a transcendental God, a compassion. There was no one to give compassion to because everyone's liberated in his company. Hmm? So, because he has a desire to have compassion, and compassion is a form of love, and he is um, the one who has uh, full experience of love, he has experience of compassion. That desire for compassion is met with the manifesting of a world in which a form of Vishnu then appears, who's in it, but he's not touched by it, as we're describing. He becomes many in the form of the jivas, ultimately to give them the opportunity to be liberated and for Bhagavan to express a compassionate love. The whole world, in that sense, is so that God can be uh, compassionate. And, of course, he is. He avatars, he descends, he manifests the Vedas and helps the jivas to meet their their maker. And in extraordinary circumstances, Mahaprabhu comes and takes them to the Mahavaikuntha, right? Beyond Vaikuntha, gives them that opportunity to that secret realm we were talking about the other day. This hidden, hmm? that, right? Krishna's special Gargacharya told uh, uh, Nanda Maharaj. Uh, he has, uh, Narayan has qualities like him. <laughs> you should hide him. You should keep him, protect him. Immediately, he, he, he when he said something that might fan the Aishvarya, he immediately began to fan the Vatsalya of Nanda Maharaj. We've got to protect him because he's special. He's got special qualities. Oh, yeah. He's got qualities that are, that are even you don't find in the Ryan. Well, that's pretty special. And he's your son. So you should protect. So the, <laughs> it's very, very charming. So, um, so anyway, he gives an example, he says. He says, you've already shown this yourself. What? That you are within the universe. The whole universe is within your transcendental body. You're, you're appearing in the universe. You're standing in front of me. And at the same time, everything that's around us is inside of you. And you've already shown this. And how did you show that? You demonstrated by exhibiting the universe was within your abdomen to Mother Yashoda, to your mother. Hmm? So he takes us back to to a, to one of the childhood, earlier latest of Krishna, where, of course, uh, the story is that um, Krishna, playing with his friends, and his friends came, all of them, along with Balaram, and they complained to Mother Yashoda that Krishna's eating dirt. Hmm? And so Mother Yashoda became alarmed. Krishna's eating dirt, and even Balaram has said so. And so she called the, her boy out of a sense of concern. Hmm? You're eating dirt? You know, we are, I've got so many sweets here that I've got to cook from, the milk from your, your father's the king of all the, the, the cow herds. We've got special cows, special milk, and we made so many nice preparations, and you're eating dirt? This is what what's uh, what's going on? And of course, he says, "I haven't e I haven't eaten dirt." Hmm? That's not true. They're lying. Hmm? They're lying. Now, what causes Krishna, the supreme truth, to lie hmm? is the Vatsalya Bhav of of of, of This is making him lie. In other words. That's what kids do, right? So for him to be fully a child, he has to, that wasn't me. Hmm? And mother has to think, 
You know, yeah, here we go. I've got to teach him now. Hmm? Uh, and so it it accentuates and draws upon her Vatsalya Bhava. So she comes on stronger and says, now, you know, it would be one thing if, if, if your friends were just saying it, but Balaram himself has said it. Hmm? And... Um, and he was surrounded by older boys, and they, I've always instructed them to watch out for you. And they're your well-wishers. Hmm? They're, have a, they're a slight extension of myself because their sake is tinged with vatsalya. So I gravitate towards that vatsalya, and we have a bond on that basis. And, I, and when I'm not there to watch over you, I expect them to. And they're complaining to me. Hmm? So I know that they're telling the truth. Hmm? And so, what is he going to do now? So he so so uh, so he says, "Well, no, I'm, I didn't. So I'm going to open, open my mouth and look. There's no dirt in there. You can see it for yourself." Hmm? So now, what's going to what what to do? Because when a child lies, he certainly doesn't want to get caught, right? So Krishna's lying by the force of Mother Yasoda's vatsalya, her parental love, hmm? but he doesn't want to get caught. So his Aishvarya Shakti, which doesn't have a big role in one sense in Braj, but is always looking for an opportunity hmm, to have a role. Hmm. So she just had a role with Brahma. Brahma's experience, he's giving another example. He realizes now that was what was going on at that time. These stories are being told about you. Yeah, this is what was happening. She came in Brahma's case and showed Aishvarya hmm, to instruct him. And and, and, and he's a... He's a a, a becoming devotee, right? Hmm? Um, so, in the case of Mother Yasoda, then the Aishvarya Shakti manifests so that Krishna won't be caught lying, which is his desire. Hmm? He's lying or the force of her Vatsalya Bhakti, but he doesn't want to get caught. Hmm? So here's my opportunity. His Aishvarya Shakti comes and serves him and manifests the universe not in his mouth, but in his belly. Hmm? So she opens his mouth, she looks in, and she sees all the way into his belly, <laughs> is the point. And what does she see in there? Then she sees she sees the whole universe. She sees Krishna also hmm? opening his mouth. She sees Braj in that universe, and she sees Krishna standing there, opening his mouth, she sees herself looking in, and it goes on and on on infinitum. So, um, so this is an extraordinary instance of Aishvarya, and you see how it's working in as to assist the Madhurya. So this Aishvarya, this Aishvarya of Krishna is fully manifest at all times in his anga as Narayan. Hmm? And sometimes it gets some role to play that Narayan's qualities are in Krishna. So it has a chance, they, they come out. Mm-hmm. But in the Braj, in such a way as to assist what's going on there, mm-hmm. to accentuate it. So so she, anyway, so he shows uh, this, this Aishvarya Shakti shows the whole universe inside of him and Mother Yasoda's like, what's going on here? And then of course she starts to think, am I dreaming? What am I? And she looks around and sees, Everything's normal. I guess I'm not dreaming. Hmm? Maybe are the gods causing some strange thing 
to be seen by me like this? That you think, why would they do that? I'm just an ordinary person. <laughs> what are the gods going to do with me? Maybe, maybe it's, uh, maybe I'm, uh, uh, I'm imagining this. Uh, no, I pinch myself. I'm not just, uh, um, I'm not in some kind of a altered uh, state. Uh, it must be. So she comes. It must be my son's got some mystic, mystic power. Hmm. Um, and um, and then so she settles with that, of course. Then then the Aishvarya, having done its job, recedes, and she comes back to, and 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 says, "No, I, that, that 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 couldn't be. I mean, because here he is sitting on my lap. He's dependent on me in so many ways, and her Vatsali is fully coming out, and he he, he doesn't have any extraordinary powers, really. Um, this must be." The power of uh, of Narayan, who does what he does when he wants, and he showed himself in some way his powers, and it's it's, it's it's beyond our our control. No one can understand God and His ways, and uh, so he has that he has a role in my life is understandable. I'm a Vaishnava, I worship Narayan. After all, he gave the blessing that I would have this son, and so on and so forth. So anyway. Narada, excuse me, Brahma gives this uh, example of Yashoda and it says, you've already shown that the world is in you and you're, you're in the world. You stand in the world, but the whole world is inside you. It's a very esoteric um, point regarding the form of Krishna. And the same holds true, as I say, with Narayan. And then he says, just as the entire universe, including you, was exhibited within your abdomen, so it is now manifested here externally in the same exact form, how could such things happen unless unless arranged by your achintishakti? Hmm? Kim idam mayavina. So, a very important Gaudiya point that Krishna is imminent in the world and transcendent hmm? beyond the world at the same time. And how? by the power of his inconceivable shakti. Hmm? He has a power by which he can do things that otherwise seem impossible. Hmm? How can you be both imminent and transcendent at the same time? Such is the inconceivable shakti of Bhagavan. And that's what he says, of course, about himself in the Gita. He showed this to Arjuna. There are many examples and so forth. So this is the point that Brahma wants to make tonight. Bhagavan Shri Krishna Ki Any question? Yeah. When you talk about his eminence, do you mean in the form of his Shakti or in the form of his like... His person. He's in the world, right? Being in the hearts of the world. He also appears here for Leela. Hmm? He's standing right in front of Brahma. And he's seeing him right in front of him, not in his heart. He's not having Antardashan. This is external. He's appeared. He's right, appearing medium size, right? Although he's infinite and infinitesimal, anoraniyam mato. He's at he's both ends of the spectrum. He covers, but he's appearing in a medium size form. This is this is very extraordinary. This is the most extraordinary thing. Like I said before, Prabhupada used to say, "Well, you know, he used to play down metaphorical kind of explanations of." Krishna Leela, what are the five horses on you know 
and Krishna's chariot mean? And he would say something that takes five horses to run, drive a chariot. You know? And so, so it would seem like he was giving a literal and lesser explanation, but he's actually emphasizing a very, very esoteric idea that Krishna, everything's in the form of Krishna. Krishna at the same time appears in the world as if dependent upon it. He can do this. This is very, I mean, this is very simplistic idea to say the world of names and forms is illusory. Move away from names and forms and categorizing the world within your mind and in 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 um, in this way. Um, um, uh, I'm going to say, um, uh, trying to bring the world within your own intellect and, and so to move away from that and. It renounce names and forms. Stop making judgments on what the world is: good, bad, happy, sad. It's all arising in the mind. It's neither of these things. And this is a very simplistic. This truth to that was a very simplistic argument to go from one end of the spectrum to the other, right? Hmm? From attachment to detachment. From ignorance of attachment to the knowledge of, of detachment. But properly understood, detachment in the knowledge that that it is uh, arises out of hmm, is only the beginning of love. That's just the beginning of love. In other words, if you want to love someone, you got to step back from them a little bit and let them be who they are, instead of making them be what you want them to be and have to fit into how uh, what you think they should be and so forth, right? You got, you got to give them some space to, and honor them for who they are, independent of your. This is a basic psychological kind of uh, truth, right? Hmm. About uh, relationships, for example. So this uh, re- stepping back hmm, to let the world be what it is rather than trying to make it what you want it to be in your small mind that nobody else will agree with entirely. Hmm? And you want them to all live inside of your mind and it's not even making you comfortable, it's very unreasonable. To step back hmm, and see what the world is without imposing your own attached perspective on it. If you get too attached to a thing, you can't see it for what it is, right? Hmm? To attach to your son, and he's a criminal. You, you kind of well, anyway. You know, he's my son. You know, he gives me some money every now and then. You know, <laughs> you, you, you kind of got a way of overlooking it. Uh, so, so the objectivity that comes from the detachment, that detachment, is just the first step in in moving in the direction of actually loving. Hmm? Attachment is ignorance. And when the attachment is there, then you know you're defining the person, and expecting them to you know, be the way you need them to be. Hmm? You're needing them for something, so you need them to be the way you need them to be, in order for them to feel whole. And it's, so anyway, you understand what I'm saying. So if if we follow this through, then attachment being the first step in love, there's a lot of other steps to go through. So the simplistic idea of spiritual life constituting simply moving from de- attachment to detachment, hmm, which is easy to explain, 
it, it, it doesn't do justice to the extraordinary uh, nature of transcendence that's so beautifully uh, dealt with in Gaudiya Vaishnavism with its Beda Beda, its panentheism, as I'm saying, the Achinti Shakti, and all of a sudden names and forms and attachments hmm, to Krishna all become... Hmm, what constitutes the full face of love, they include within them the detachment from the ignorance. And the attachment to Krishna shows up as a kind of a divine ignorance. This is a very like head spinning. But if you think about it, transcendence should be a little different and extraordinary, not just simply the antithesis of material life. That's why, you know, Rajagun is material life, going after it. Sattvaguna is virtue, and, and and they're very different, but they're still part of the world. Hmm? Knowledge and detachment, this is Sattvaguna. Hmm? Transcendence, that's another thing, in the full sense of the term. If you want to just poke your head in there, be peaceful, that's one thing. If you want to just say, exist, love to exist, that's one thing. If you want to exist to love, it's more complicated, but it's more fun. <laughs> Answer your question? I forget what it was, but. <laughs> yes? Yeah. Happy Diwali Sukham. Happy Diwali. Ananama, Ananama, Anandanam's mom, Kijai. <laughs> this is the uh, Hindu New Year, night, New Year's Eve, I guess, huh? No, it's the New Year's Day. Day? But we're celebrating tomorrow, Govardhan Puja, Diwali, no? Hmm? Govardhan Puja. Yeah, it's, it's, anyway, different calendars, I guess. This is a different Brahma. They're just different stories to make points over long periods of time, and so forth. And uh, you know, I'm talking about this Brahma's travel in a, in a particular way. For, I mean, it's supported from the scripture, but nobody talked has talked about it like this. <laughs> it's all supportable to to show him in this way as a, as progressing and so forth. And, Nobody that I know of, so. It's all coming from your enthusiasm to hear. So, what else? Yes. It means you got to protect your 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 sadhaka day. Hmm. 
In other words, um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he, or Krishna, he wanted to taste Radha's love, right? For himself, from her perspective. And so, in a sense, he wanted to become a gopi, right? Um, and so, how did he become a gopi? He became a gopi by becoming a sadhu. He came to the world and he was a sadhu. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, his example is is one to follow. Grihijuna shikshaka, nyasi gulanayaka, we sing every morning. He was the perfect teacher from the grihastas, life by his example, and he was the perfect teacher for the sannyasis by his example in both of these leelas. Hmm? Uh, Mahabharata uh, describes Vishnu Sasranamana Suvarna Varna Himangu Varnangaschandanagati Sanyasakachamashantu Nishtashanti Parayana. Four names for his grihasta life, four names for his sannyas life, or terms uh, describing qualities of both of these lives. So, um, he, 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 this is Krishna, and he's teaching bhakti, so we say it's his acharya lila, acharya means to teach by example. Hmm? So, how, he's, what, is he, what is he trying to do? Become a gopi, and offer that up, or gopa, these opportunities are, are offered, right? Let's say gopi, offer that to the world. And so, he's showing how to do that. So, what is he doing? What is Krishna doing? He's becoming a sadhu. He's controlling his senses, his mind, he's chanting, He's taking Mahaprasadam, associating with the Lord, doing all the things that we're taught to do. Um, uh, that's a little different than what the gopis do. We're not teaching you to to do everything that the gopis do in, in Braj, right? We're teaching you to do what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did, which will foster thinking about the gopis in such a way that internally a gopi body, meditative body, Will will arise when you've actually completed, uh, advanced in your your um, becoming a sadhu. So the point I'm making is that if you want to become a gopi, you don't start acting like a gopi. You start acting like a sadhu. So the, in other words, if the gopi is a personification of the fullest love, I often say, love is born from the womb of sacrifice. The sadhu's life. By contrast to a gopi's life, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's life, in contrast to Krishna's life, is a life of sacrifice. Hmm? Krishna's just enjoying, right? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is a life of sacrifice. Hmm? So the gopis are enjoying with Krishna, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is showing that the gopi in this world is a sadhu. Rupa, Gos- Rupa Goswami was. The gopi he comes as a sadhu, Goswami. So how are they living? Very, they were living like uh, they were living in in sacrifice. Entire. Uh, told us once. He said that that Pujapatridharmarsh that uh, he had in the beginning, even before he got involved in Gaudiya some attraction for Ram, because he was such a, you know, sacrificer. In other words. He he, for the sake of dharma, he he allowed himself to be exiled to the forest, when uh, because that that his father's word would would be upheld. Hmm? You know the story of Ramayana. Anyway, it's a long story. So he's very dharmic, and even though it's uncomfortable for himself or whatever, he he's going to 
exemplify the Dharma. So it's a, it's a life of sacrifice and duty um, um, first, um, so to speak, country first, God first, uh, that kind of a thing. So he's, he's attracted to that sacrifice, whereas Krishna in the Leelas is depicted not as a sacrificer, but as an enjoyer. So he had a little more attraction for Ram than for Krishna. But when he came in touch with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching, then he found in this form Krishna's a sacrificer to the extreme. And and he you know, he, he found the side of Krishna that is Radha. Who's the giver, who's who's, who's the servant of Krishna and so forth. So then he became attracted to Gaudiya Vaishnavism and to Chitta Krishna through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, yes, to become a gopi, you have to become a sadhu. Hmm? So that, I'm also saying, don't just think you're going to imagine your way into being a gopi without becoming a sadhu, without going through an arts and a vritti, without going to nishta, ruchi, and all these stages. Hmm? Uh, don't, don't kid yourself. Yeah. Something like that. Oh, uh, yeah. That's one of the reasons, yeah. That's right, yeah. Right, right. Now, if you become a gopi, when you become a gopa, then then you won't have to follow. Because you won't have any interest in those things. You won't be, have to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah. That's beyond the moral life, then. All right, so... Maybe there'll be a little prashadam for everybody. What's the time? Ten to seven. Ten to seven, okay. Gartaras Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Kartik Vrata ki jai, Shri Shri Gauradamadava ki jai, Shri Shri Radha Radha Krishna, Radha Govinda, and Shri Janvantari Avatar ki jai. Gaur Premanande, there you go.